Well, hi-lo, listeners. And why do I say hi-lo? Because today we are reading the tantalizing chapters that cover the High Lord's meeting. Lord help me. Hi, Lord help you. She was so excited to do it that I let her know. That's why I made myself host this week. (laughs) (laughs) And we're back with me, myself, and I, a Confession Stand podcast. I am your dashing, ravishing host today, Sarah Carbs. And with me, I have Nuala and Cara (laughs) Dwin. Honestly, yeah. (laughs) Also known as Hannah Slash Buds and Sam Swags. Sam Swags. <laughs> we are reading the end of part two of A Court of Wings and Ruin by Sarah J. Mass. Uh, we're going to be covering chapters 41 through 50, and we are happy to bring you on this journey with us today. Mm-hmm. We are moving on to the High Lord's, the high Lord's meeting. High low. <laughs> I don't know if, why I'm singing. <laughs> if you could sum up these 10 chapters into one word... What would it be? Juicy. There's so much that goes on. There's a lot of juice. And there's so much drama. I'm obsessed. (laughs) I don't know if I could sum it up in one word. I have so many mixed feelings about this whole section. Um... Let me think for a second. It could be like 20 syllables if you need. Like, I will give you the range of like 200 syllables, but like. Can I just make it a like sentence a, but suck out the uh, spaces? I mean, if you want to say supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, I am totally fine with the use of that word in this. In I think this. it is annoying. Really? What? Oh, no, I was going to say. I'm so sorry. What? Okay, we'll have to unpack that. that. Yes. I was going to just say drama. The drama. So much drama. (laughs) So much drama. It was, don't get me wrong, this, I love this section. This is hands down, up until this point of this book is the best section and it's actually readable. (coughs) Sorry, Sarah J. Mass. Um, (laughs) So it, we finally get a little bit of excitement, Mm -hmm. but... I'll explain it later. I want to follow up with that and say, I hope Sarah J. Mass is flexing to herself because I feel like this section really showcases her just incredible writing and how she's able to pull in tra- like traumatic experiences and prejudices and all these different things into one room. I mean, it has, like, yeah, I agree. There's some annoying stuff. I, you're, I can see your face. So I just, and so it's funny, the moment you said she can flex because this just showcased her an amazing writer, my instant thought was, eh. I, I just... <laughs> We'll get into it. Yeah, we'll get into it. But I, I personally feel like this is one of my favorites, like, sections that we've read thus far. I think what you're saying, at least I agree with you in some part, is that, like, all the buildup of the first two books and the first half of this book pays off. It really comes together seeing all the characters, the world building. It comes together, I think, in this moment and really sets up for the finale, which I don't think I appreciated the first time I read it. Wasn't spicy enough for me. Like, the battle at Adriato just, like, felt very random to me before this. But now rereading it, she does so much setup and it really pays off. 
I'm gonna go ahead and throw this out there. We can talk about this later, but I like is on the tip of my tongue. She is the laziest writer with the stupid window. I can't get over. Okay, 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 okay. okay. How about this? How about... I was specifically referencing the High Lord meeting, the last two chapters where she recruits Bryaxis. Yeah, it's it, that's that's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life. But like, I just, and I I think I think what bothers me about that, and we can get into it a little bit more later. But it, how how simple it is it's so dumb i mean you think about all the like you think about all the bonds and agreements or uh, uh what's the word for bargains. you think of all the bargains that pharah has made with resand and with other things and people and stuff and this does not level up to that <laughs> at all this i mean what she's gonna get a tattoo on her body for forever for is for a fucking window <laughs> or, or bryaxis is just really Dumb. Like, because her two bargains with Bryaxis right now is I want someone to keep me company and I want a window. I mean, maybe. I mean, like, I get what Sarah J. Mess was trying to do to be like, this is an outer worldly creature that has nowhere else to go. But it's so stupid. I think it's a little lazy, in my opinion. I think this was her, like, I can't have Feyre make any more bargains, this whore. Like, I don't, I don't want, <laughs> sorry. I cannot have this girl tied down to any more people. So I'm going <laughs> to give her these really lame bargains that she'll, that will be really easy for her to fulfill. Like, I, just, I, I think it's so funny in contrast to, like, the Ouroboros. And dealing with that whole bargain and being, oh, that just seems a little too extreme. I don't know if we could do that. Window? Okay, we can do that. <laughs> we can make a window. We can make a window. I've seen windows. I know what they look like. <laughs> I love how it took them, it took Fair a second to put two and two together window. And Amber's like, hush, girl. Like, <laughs> just keep quiet. She's like, stars? Sun? Sky? What? Where can you see all three of these things? Television? I don't <laughs> Let's talk about who is in this section. Who are we seeing? Our band of merry men and women. Because Farah messed him up so badly, no one was there to support him. I know. <laughs> we, we need to unpack that in a little we bit. We do, we do. Were you guys expecting to see him? I'm just curious. Yeah. Did, you, did you think he was going to show? Honestly, yeah. I did, because I don't think that he would have missed an opportunity to see Farah. At... Uh, I agree. That was my thought, too. Honestly, like, he truly, that was secondary. The war was secondary to the fact that he wanted to scope her out. Mm -hmm. Like, full stop. Oh, 100%. 100%. I agree with that. And they all called him out for it. It was pretty great. Because love means more than war. Of course. Even for his twisted little head. <sighs> like, I am a romantic, and I wanted to fall. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I, don't, I don't buy that with Tampon. Um, we also got Tarquin from Summer Court. And his cousin, Varian, and his beautiful sister, Crusader, come. And Well, wait. I mean, the last time that, that the Night Court saw them, they were stealing stuff from them. No. Blood diamonds or blood rubies. They do have the blood rubies, but it's a safe space. Um, however, the last time we saw them was when the Night Court came to save. Okay, te fair. Technically. I mean, fair. it didn't go well, and Tarquin's like, GTFO. Like, right. <laughs> All right. Thanks, bye. Bye. <laughs> so, um, but this is a safe space. Tarquin's not allowed to stab them in the face. So, there, it's a neutral ground, blood rubies aside. We also have some new players. 
Should I say it? Do you guys want to say it? Do you say it? <laughs> okay. I think Hannah should do the next one. Next of kin. Oh, because I'm a redhead. Okay. <laughs> I belong to the Autumn of Gore. Baron's my daddy. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Is that, that's really uncomfortable because I really love Eris. <laughs> You too. I do. Honestly, ever since I saw that picture that Mads Official did of him, I was like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen it. I think I sent it. I'm going to be so upset if you don't give a good reaction. If he's blonde, I'm not going to give a good reaction. No, he's from the Iron Court. Oh, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Those just like steamy eyes. Dang, a man jawline could cut diamonds. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my. Oh my. He's hot. Yeah, he could get it. He could get it. I'd give it to him. If he asked, if he asked, I'd give it to him. Y'all's reaction to Eris is how I go back and look at the Tamlin picture, unfortunately. Oh, Talk no. about toxic traits. You know what? That picture of Tamlin is mine. <laughs> that, that picture of Tamlin is flattering. He should, yeah. 100%. Yeah, it's, it, it's a crime to look that good and be that awful of a person. <laughs> So, Spuds, tell us about your family that's there. (laughs) (laughs) So, we have the Autumn Court. The High Lord there is Baron, and he is the worst of the worst. He is actually the one who set up more to be with Eris and was the one who kind of conducted that arranged marriage. He is a terrible person. We already kind of know that. He brought all of his sons, minus Lucian, who's not there. He's on his little errand scouting for Vasa. But he also has my lover boy, Eris, there. He also has his wife, which Sarah J. Mass has decided, and I think that she probably did this on purpose, to not name his wife as a show of how undertreated she is. So she's just kind of like this unnamed woman at the meeting. Yeah. Is she I don't remember her ever being named in any of the books. I just triple checked, uh, just out of curiosity, and she is just known as the Lady of the Autumn Court. Hello! This is Sarah Carbs from the future. While we were editing this episode, we noticed an audio glitch that interrupted the introduction of two very important characters. So, without further ado, we also have in attendance Lord Helion of the Day Court, a.k.a. Daddy Helion. <laughs> and we have Lord Thiessen from the Dawn Court, his army general slash lover and his master tinkerer, Nuan. This is a very good friend of Lucian's, but we'll get into that later. Now, back to the episode. So we got Calius, who's the High Lord of Winter, and his lovely wife slash mate, Vivian, who's, who's a really close friend of Moore, which, which we see a very touching reunion with the two of them. Nice to see a cross-court relationship there, even if it's just a friendship. Yeah. Between Moore and mm-hmm. um, Vivian. Mm-hmm. No, it is so interesting. We never see more like people. No. She actually, that's not true, because she she approached one of the queens in a very friendly manner. Oh, yeah. No, I meant like as long-term friends. Oh, yes, yes, yeah, yes. Like sorry, she doesn't sorry. have many like friends outside of the inner circle. Mm-hmm. Which, that's I funny. mean, she hooked up with Cassian and Asriel's in love with her and Amran's, well... Amran. I think aside from Feyre, who's boning Reese half the time, 
Yeah, she's lonely. pretty on your own. She's pretty lonely. <laughs> yeah, I don't Gosh. know. That was really nice and endearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really sweet. Like, it's like, no wonder she was so excited to see her. That girl's all by herself with a bunch of testosterone and like hyped up. Oh, my goodness. And Ness is not very nice and Elaine's crazy. Like, she's got no hope. <laughs> Sam and I were talking about this. Moore got screwed hard in this book. Yeah. She got screwed her whole life. Like, honestly, she's yeah. had the worst go at everything. You know what? She should be with Lucian. I'm going to put that out there. They both can connect. Oh, my. She would chew him up and spit him. I know. It's like, let's be real. <laughs> if you're a future reader, you know why that. Yeah, Whatever I that. know why that is. But like, <laughs> I'm just saying, they should be friends. They should connect. Honestly, mm-hmm. they are kind of both the outcasts. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I can see that. That'd be a cute friendship mm-hmm. if they like, let down their guard. Yeah, I think they could, you know, shoot the shit against Eris together. (gasps) I didn't think about that. They could be the best friends. (laughs) Oh my gosh, can we stand that? Like, best friendships? How do you stand best friends? Because you know how, like, people ship someone? I friendship them. Yeah, I guess it's it's your shipping. You're you're frishing? No, wait, speaking of ships, there is a small corner of the internet that ships Azrael and Eris, and I was like, what? And then during Ezra's attack on Arison, I was like, oh, this is why. Got it. I'm kind of here for it. No matter how much you hate a person, you just like don't say things about your interpersonal relationships with them. So Tamlin reacts the way that we would. I personally was expecting him to. He lashed out. He was a petty ass. And he made a comment about her in bed in front of Resan. I can't believe Resan. Everybody. I can't believe Reese held it together. Like, he... Oof. But it's really funny because in the first book, when they do have sex for the first time, there's a description in the first book. He's His kiss was slower this time, gentler. The fingertips of his hand slipped underneath the waist of my undergarments, and I sucked in a breath. He hesitated at the sound, pulling back slightly. I bit his lip in silent command that had him growling into my mouth. It's probably, like, a total coincidence, but the fact that, like, his scene and his reaction of saying that in the High Lords meeting was so vivid. Like, I still blush just thinking about it. It's so embarrassing for Mm. him that when I reread the first book for this podcast, I was like, no. It's like, these cannot be the same (laughs) things, but now I'm convinced that they are. Mm -hmm. So thanks for coming to my TED Talk. (laughs) Well, you can go in and explain what he actually said. In Wings and Ruin... Tamlin's just on a roll, and Tamlin only angled his head at Reese. When you fuck her, have you ever noticed that little noise she makes right before she climaxes? <gasps> oh! Uh, oh! I hate this is like dinner conversation for him. He is so baity and petty. <sighs> <sighs> it just. Uh. I hate him so much. (laughs) That made my vagina dry up. Oh, it was bad. That's the worst. Like, pettiness. Like, I understand he was hurt, and she, like, messed his cord up, and we can all talk about that in a second, but... It's like he's hitting low blows, because those are the only blows he can take right now. That's all he has. That's his only ammunition at this point. You know what? So let's go ahead and get into a little bit of the meeting, because we've already Mm -hmm. kind of covered introducing everybody and what's kind of going on. Yeah. So... This whole meeting is called together because Reese wants to band everyone together because there's a war coming with Hybern. Yeah. And he's trying to get all of them on board. But he comes in, and this, so when I said annoying earlier, 
I'm gonna go ahead and start with this first annoying point. He comes in with this toxic hero complex and is like, I was actually the good guy all along. He tells them all about Valaris. I'm the good guy and I was doing this to protect my city and stuff. But also at the same time, I feel like if I were the other High Lords, I'd be like, seriously, you had a whole city that you hid and you didn't create it as an oasis for like our people and stuff. So I'd already be annoyed with that. But he's just on this like ego pedestal of I'm the good guy, you have to listen to me, we're going to war and just do as I say. And he's just like kind of expecting them to believe him. And I think what's important about this is there's still a lot of unresolved trauma from under the mountain that have not been sorted. And after the mountain. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, well, yeah, with Tarquin, for instance. Yeah, yeah no. They're all like, oh, you know, I, I've got some grievances to air. Pause. <laughs> Pause. We'll get back. We'll get to that saving the world. Like, oh, <laughs> uh, you did some shit. I'm gonna call you out on. Especially in regards to his relationship to the Winter Court. Mm. That is probably besides Tamlin, the Spring Court, Night Court dynamic because of Feyre. I think the next most tense relationship. I would say the Winter Court's almost more tense than Tarquin and the Summer Court. Oh, 100%. Because uh, Tarquin's kind of backed off, like, all right, you saved me, we'll call it good. I don't like you guys, but I'm not gonna, I'm not out for blood anymore. The Winter Court, so yeah, what happened there? So in the Winter Court, while they were all under the mountain, the Winter Court's children were just slaughtered under Amarantha's reign. And I think I would be so frustrated hearing that he had a whole safe haven for his people where, like, the children of my court were being brutally murdered. I instantly probably would have gotten up and walked out of the meeting, honestly. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, Rhysand steps in and is like, well, I was servicing her, trying to distract her from it. Well, that's part of it. But if you remember, he also said that Amarantha locked him away like he couldn't do anything about normally in this circumstance. He would at least, like, try to get into the minds of the children so that way they didn't die in pain. But this time around, Amarantha didn't take any chances because he showed sympathy towards the rebels. Yes. So then this is why she slew all of these uh, children. I think what's interesting about this whole thing when we think about Resand and how everyone played a role in Under the Mountain, whereas... You know, you have Calias and we know Thesen. <laughs> um, they put shields up around, like they're their private residence and Callius did it for Vivian as well to protect her. Like they all did something to protect people that are important to them. They fell in line with Amarantha. They weren't having sex with her to appease like they were giving her pleasure and whilst she was murdering and destroying people. I understand why Rhysand did what he thought was right, but at the same token, I think they're all coming at it from the same angle, which is you were privileged. Whether you did it to save your people or not, you gave a woman pleasure who decimated our people and destroyed our livelihoods. And at the end of the day, like, you can be the hero all you want. You can think that you did the right thing, but you were privileged during that time, regardless. You know, you know what I also think it is? I think that, like, Reese lives in such a black and white where he's either playing one role or the other, and there's so much gray area to his character that he doesn't acknowledge. Where it's like, you can be a good guy to your city, but a bad guy to everybody else, and you can also present the bad guy and actually be a bad guy. Mm -hmm. Even though you did something good for 
your people. Yeah. It's just interesting. Yeah. His, his way of thinking is very, you know. I don't know. My heart goes out to the other High Lords just because I can see why the other High Lords are very hesitant and still kind of abrasive about all of this. Well, this is the first time they're hearing of anything. He wants yeah. to like, by the way, I was fooling you all along. Like, I feel like that in itself would put me through shock where I'd be like, what is happening right now? Is this also a manipulation in the game? I would feel like I would have very strong trust issues with him at this moment in time. A lot of whiplash. Yeah, it's back and, and forth, back and forth. Yeah. Well, that's what Tamlin was also pushing is, like, how can you trust Resand? He did all of these things, and he said that he was Amarantha's boy, and now he's saying he's the hero. WTF. And he like, took my... He took my woman. I And then, of course, oh, that line about her finally announcing actually she didn't announce she was the high lady no. asriel oh asriel. asriel did it by i mean, I don't know if it was mistake it would have come out regardless but i think it was baron was speaking like not very nice to her and uh, he's and he's like be, be careful, careful how, how you speak, speak to my high lady, lady. Mm -hmm. Oof. i'm and definitely still team cassian but when the mm -hmm. when asriel shows his colors they bright which is <laughs> Which is so funny because when she had asked Tamlin earlier if there was ever such thing as a high lady, he just denied it. Mm -hmm. And then it's kind of like, ha, 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 I'm high lady now. I don't blame him for being a little peeved about that or for or for suggesting that this was her being ambitious. Yeah. Um, you can't deny the parallels. Right. Like, in his narrative, in his twisted narrative, regardless of the abuse, regardless of whatever... She asked him about being high lady. He said no. And she, it, it almost looks like, from his perspective, she said bet and jumped on to resand. Mm -hmm. Which yeah. is not what well, happened. And, and we also forget that what happened to Tamla's family and the resentment that he probably has towards resand. Yeah. Added, but, to, added a little salt in the wound. And to get on tampon for a minute here, too, he could have made her a high lady and totally fudged it. I'm just saying, both sides are not equal in this because i'm not i don't really know like maybe he didn't make her a high lady because traditionally there's never been one so he didn't know if it was possible i don't know i mean honestly he wasn't prepared for that role anyway right so i don't think that he thought it was even possible right so i always just pass on the sun why would a girl just come in and get it you know like it's i mean and if you think about it even in our own royal system it's not like if you're married to the a prince that you're automatically right. a, princess. a princess. We have Duchess Meghan and, yeah. and Duchess Kate. So, I mean, that could also be the mentality around it as well. We don't really know too much about the history of Prithian and how they do their whole legal system. But <laughs> to that credit, I suppose, give them a little It's nod. just such a, a crap show. It is a crap. Oh, mm -hmm. And I mean, it was entertaining to watch. It reminds me of just like one of those terrible family reunions mm -hmm. where people are like throwing food at each other and mm -hmm. stuff or just baiting each other and not actually getting to what they need to be talking about mm -hmm. but it was interesting to see them all in one place yeah versus under the mountain because like remember we haven't seen them all together since under the mountain and we really didn't know who they were in this perspective like the depth of who they are and their personalities until this moment either right as much as like playing devil's advocate here of it's not that i feel bad for tamlin at all, I think this is where you really see they never got closure. She literally stirred the pot, pieced out, and it's not only that it's obvious that he's still so in love with her, he's just never gotten that resolution, and she never gave it to him. She's obviously healed for the most part, has 
I don't know. I kind of wish that she had done that for him, and maybe this wouldn't be what a mess it was. Yeah, I mean, like, she definitely took out her revenge, but didn't understand the consequences of all yeah. of that. And, like, understanding that he also saw things from such a different perspective, not knowing who Resand was and what was going on. Like, he didn't see the other side of it. So mm-hmm. part of that, like, you can blame it on being malicious, but part of that's also just ignorance mm-hmm. of not knowing yeah. But, I mean, Tamlin did know Resan for a while. It's, but I think that adds to how much he hates him. Yeah, but it's like Jesus. We don't really know what happens from <laughs> 13 to 40. And that's basically what happens with Tamlin and Resan. They kill each other's dads, and they be, now are High Lord, and they peace out and go their own ways. We don't know when their paths intersected again. We don't know. Well, they probably intersected under the mountain. Or even during the war with Highburn, mm-hmm. the first time with the... Actually, no, Tamlin wasn't alive back then. A or, child. Or he was a child back Rhysand then. was fighting it. Right. But still, yeah, we don't know how many times they saw each other. And like you said, I, I think you're right. It probably was under the mountain that they saw each other again. Uh, for any significant period of time. Right, right. And I think Farah finally realizes how badly she messed that up. I mean, the whole attack from Inadriata is her fault. I mean, obviously there's a man behind a siege who killed a lot of people. So there's that. But she kind of left the, the door. Yeah, she left the door open. Like in a scary movie when they run in and they don't close the door and the and the horror villain comes in after them. Just close the damn door. And it's not, not important. This is a this is war we're talking about, but still. Yeah, she uh and then she's like, Oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> no. no. No way. Oh, Farah, you got smart way too late. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one of the things that, a couple couple little tidbit things that we learn in this High Lord meeting is we got Lucian's family, the Autumn Court. They know about Elaine. Is that not crazy? Yeah, yeah that's a little scary for her. Mm-hmm. It was weird that Eris was Eris was like he looked at Nessa was like, oh, you didn't bring your sister. Shame she's not here. I heard she's a real beauty. Mm-hmm. You're like, cringe. <laughs> well, and they killed his first lover, you know. So of course, like that was that was really scary for me to read uh, on Elaine's behalf. But yeah, um, so that was I, I I wonder who would have informed them about that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well. Uh, yeah, I mean, we know that Azrael got caught by Eris. Mm-hmm. So who knows what got divulged in yeah. that interaction. Um, but also, Lucian, like, kind of also wouldn't stop talking about it either, if we're being honest. It's <laughs> true. It's true. It's very true. Um, he's a little excited. And then, uh, speaking of Lucian, we get to meet Lucian's very close friend from the Dawn Court, Nuan, who is the one who made his mechanical eye. Mm-hmm. She is, she's a tinkerer. She's a deep tinkerer. And she's created an antidote for Feybane, which we know from earlier in the book, is a chemical compound that dulls Fey powers for a certain amount of time. For, like, really, I mean, yeah. how long were Feyre and Lucian out in the first half of this book? Like, like two days. Was... But she had been, oh, wait, but they had been dosed continuously I think for days. So, yeah, yeah. I, it was probably even longer, mm-hmm. like, Maybe when you had, think of it. You think about how the original wolf that she killed in the woods, she used an ash arrow, mm-hmm. which doesn't that have Feybane in it, mm-hmm. and instantly killed it, and that's probably the only way she could have ever killed that wolf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. But they found an antidote. Yeah, she made an antidote. Uh, Baron refused to take it, but Eris does. We're seeing a lot of that in this section is Eris sort of like kind of like putting his foot in like, I will be king or high lord or whatever. So I'm going to make some executive decisions because my dad's a dick. Like, or, well, you know, he's, he's made that bargain with them where he's like, right. Undercover spies, but, so, but he has to like toe the line. Yeah. He's asserting his power. Like he's sort he's not, he's sort of like stepping ahead, but like not. So Eris decides that he's going to let his, his men, also take this antidote. And Baron ridicules him for mm-hmm. it. He's like, how embarrassing. You're a disgrace. Yeah. All this other stuff. You're a coward. Yeah. I know this book is like from 2016 or something, but what a commentary on vaccinations, you know? <laughs> <laughs> for real. Oh my you God. could say Baron was an anti- anti-vaxxer. He's <laughs> <laughs> uh, gonna go out and just get the COVID and mm-hmm. hope for the best. Just get mm-hmm. the flu and... <laughs> You know what, Baron? Don't take the vaccine. It's You're fine. right. We don't need Let's to. see how it goes for you, bud. <laughs> so, but all of this kind of boils down to a really nasty altercation because um, this is where Feyre starts butting heads with Baron. And then ultimately, um, as people are trying to fight with him, he makes a comment towards Cassian because Cassian's like, you're being a coward. And, uh, and he's like, I'm not going to listen to a bastard from Lesser Faye. And this is where Nessa steps in for him and is badass. And she said, uh, that bastard is going to save, is going to be the only one that can save your ass. So it's got to be really, I don't want to say demasculating. That's not the word I want to use, but to be this warrior and to have Nesta come in and defend your arm. Like, like he wouldn't need it, but the fact that she does it anyways, I just think that's so beautiful about their relationship. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, she doesn't have to stand up for him. He's a big boy. But like, I wonder why I want she a big up boy. For him. Yeah, so <laughs> I want a big boy. I need a big boy. Sorry, I was thinking of that. Uh this is a song. But he doesn't need her to do that, and she does it anyways. And I think that's really powerful for her to do that to a man who's way more powerful, assumedly, more powerful than her and older than her and has more seniority than her. She's just a human that's been a fae for, what, like two months? And she's like, screw all of you people. So well, that's why I love Nesta so yeah. much. She literally doesn't care who she's talking right. to. Right. Like, she flips off the, or points at the king of Highburn mm-hmm. and stuff where, like, all these people are cowering and stuff. And she's just like, you, I'm coming for you. <laughs> we start to learn a lot, like, um as they're starting to kind of like actually collectively come together and problem solve with the antidotes and stuff like that, um, Tarquin's like, I'll take the Spring Court's people. They can come in with us, whatever's left of our place Mm -hmm. and stuff. And they're starting to slowly, through all of the trash and all of the pettiness, come together and make a plan. Minus Baron. Minus Baron. Baron's got to be in his bonnet. And uh, eventually he keeps talking about how Rhysan was Amaranth this whore and he won't get off of this high horse. Which, okay, gets to annoying point number two. Yeah. The whole purpose of this meeting is to, like, band together. And the other side note, which is totally neglected at this point, is that they are not allowed to know that Feyre has all of their powers. And what does Feyre do? She literally unleashes 
every single one of their powers. And it's like, Feyre, really? You can't control yourself just because someone called your boyfriend a whore? Get it together, girl. I find this so infuriating because I always thought of Feyre as such a stronger emotional character. And she's just like unleashing. And it's like, girl, you were the one who came up with this plan to not tell anyone about your powers. You are so stupid. So what I find ironic about this is she just 10, 15 minutes ago got Asriel to get off of Eris for calling Moore a whore. Like, calm down. Yeah. Can't you see? So We're not fighting here. This is all love. <laughs> Which also. <laughs> and then Baron calls her dude a whore. Like, I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so stupid because like, this is supposed to be a safe space. And I thought that, like, if you broke the rule, hell was to pay. Right. And they broke it twice. What? Once. Twice. So the whole building is warded. So they're not supposed to be able to fight each other. And she did it anyways. (laughs) But not just with one of her powers. All of them. With thrice of them. Like, and I just... It's like, oh my gosh, girl. And... You know, I noticed that Moore's attitude changes after this, and I I made a note of this because a big point of this meeting was for Feyre not to show her powers, and that is because Eris had to make a deal with Resand. He's going to have to be the High Lord in Autumn, but part of it is he got Asriel. He also was able to obstruct the mind stuff. Mm-hmm. So he didn't remember that Feyre had shot fire at him when they first kidnapped them in the Winter Court. Yeah. And she ruined it in the most boisterous way that she could have. And... I j- <laughs> it's like she like gets into this bubble and it's like oh she has that trait and then it's like she throws a water bubble and you're like oh she has that trait too what else does she have and she's like, like light fire <laughs> she goes like, she goes into like full on like <laughs> multiple airbender mode like she's all right. the all of the traits oh all, yeah and I was like oh Faye you you done you done did it now like literally every time that she said they, in the book it said that she released a power I was like really Feyre. And then there's another one. I was like, really, Farah? And the last one I was like, Farah, stop it! <laughs> so I made a note about this because I feel like this is the first time that we've really seen Farah use multiple powers at the same time. Yeah. So my first thought was maybe this happened because, you know, we know that mates are very intensely protective about their the mates, mm-hmm. which I think this is kind of silly because you would have thought that Rhysand would have made more of a show, but he's a lot older, so maybe he can control his emotions a little bit better in regards to Tamlin calling her a whore. So then he gets called a whore and Feyre loses it. And I don't know if it's the mating bond that's really intense right now. I, I don't really think that's what it is, but that could be one reason for why she behaved this way. Well, and then my other thought was, is this is the first time she's been with all of these men since she died and they gave her a little kernel of their power. So could it be that being in proximity with the um, owners of this power is what's able to give her one, be able to use all these abilities together, which we haven't seen before until now, and maybe it's just intensified during this. So that was my thought, because we just haven't seen this before. I also just think she's under an immense amount of stress, like seeing Tamlin again, and having to like be the high lady, and seeing Eris and Baron and all these yeah. people. It almost just seems like everything's very exacerbated. And I think she's also been training on how to wield her abilities, 
since Under the Mountain when she first got them too. I mean, how long did it take her to learn how to like winnow? And you know, here she's been trying to learn to fly this whole time with her wings. Like, it's been a lot of work that she's been doing yeah. over, since the second book. And it probably all just in an emotional state against her mate. She just snapped, let him. Like the, mm -hmm. the damn step. So after she shows this power three at one time, uh, naturally, and this is the first time the High Lords have seen this, naturally they're a little upset. Like you just feel the masculinity shrink. Like someone just called them all <laughs> short kings. Uh, like, <laughs> hey, we stand short and, kings. But they're treating her like she stole it from them. Like, like she mm -hmm. consciously was like mine now, kind of like with Nesta in the in the cauldron. Yeah. But but she responds to them and actually, uh, Sam, you have that passage mm -hmm. of how she responded back to that. I will use these powers, my powers, to smash Hyber into bits. You gave it to me along with the gift of my immortal life. I am grateful for both, but they are mine now. And I will do with them what I will. I love that. I do. As they're starting to freak out over her having all of their powers, things are starting to click for a lot of them. Like Tarquin's like, oh, that's how you got past my wards and stole the book from me. Mm -hmm. That makes so much sense. And like all of these things are finally starting to come together. And it gets to the point where Baron, after just being hit with a bunch of stuff, is just up in fumes. And he's like, this meeting's over. I hope Hybern butchers all of you. And Nesta is the one who comes and is like, yo, sit down, we need to have this meeting because you guys did this to the humans and you were sworn to protect the humans and all this other stuff, which honestly I was not expecting Nesta to come in and say any of this stuff. Not at all. Come through, human emissary. No, she, she was badass. She put him in his place and she talked about how, I mean, she called them out. She's talked about how they were on the other side of the wall privilege while all of her people on the island, which is, but you know, right below the wall are starving. She even has this really beautiful moment and it's extremely touching and I'm sure, and Feyre even talks about how she started to kind of tear up after listening to it, but Nessa fully admits in front of all of these people that Feyre was the one to keep them from starving. Feyre is the one who stepped up and, and became like the breadwinner or, or, or whatever. Well, she was the one who freed yeah. them from under the mountain. So like, they get, it's almost like they gave her power in almost payment for saving their lives. You oh, know, yeah. You know, that's interesting. I never even thought about that. I feel like Feyre could have been like, I saved all y'all asses a couple months back, so you have to do this for me. I'm calling yeah, this no, in. Yeah, offered it as a gift. But, like, but, as, as their thank you for letting us come out of here, mm -hmm. we will give you yeah. life again. Yeah. And I, I don't think they completely forget about all of that the moment that they realize that she actually can wield all of their powers. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, right. that's, that's the vibe I got, too. Yeah. So one thing that we need to go back and cover is um, I want to go a little more into depth about as tackling Eris because we kind of glazed over that. It was such a funny moment. It was so funny. It was like a rabid dog who finally just broke through his chain. It was like... <laughs> I've seen fan art of like Pharaoh holding a leash and... <laughs> Oh, oh no! Oh, they did her boy as dirty. Oh, I was like, oh my gosh! I was like, that is kind of what happened. 
that whole scene just makes me uncomfortable. Asriel defending more isn't what's inherently the issue, but the way that Pharaoh reined him in just will never sit right like, with her. Come on, come on, boy, sit. So we wrap up with the meeting. Baron's like, this is over. And Pharaoh does her little liner about how everyone gave her the powers. But it's safe to say that the meeting is over. Tensions were a little too high. They're all going to end up staying the night. So they've all been assigned to different wings of the Dawn Court's building. Mm -hmm. And so much sex <laughs> happens. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> I like the first thing that I think of is Helian and more. Mm -hmm. And well, just Helian trying to get more than more for <laughs> that. <laughs> Uh, trying to make it a group event. He was with like, so let's bring this party downstairs and want every high lord on their knees. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 you and your friend. <laughs> bring your wife, too. <laughs> and Pharaoh's... He honestly, so it's funny you mentioned earlier, he just wanted to stir the pot. He also just wanted, like, he does not care about anything. No. Like, war talk, whatever, he's like, yeah, fine, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, he's, he is like that old rich uncle who never married that is just, like, insanely hot. And is just like, who came to party? He walks around drunk and has, like, a Hawaiian shirt on all the time. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. yeah. A thousand percent. Ready to party. Mm -hmm. But it's Idris Elba. <laughs> Oh, so um, but no, so then they're all like debriefing the night court is and Helion comes in and man, do we get some tea from this man? Mm. Well, we also find out that he was putting on a whole shtick. Yeah. Which is even so Feyre didn't even realize that Rhysand and Helion were like the only buddy buddy of the High Lords. Mm -hmm. Day and night. I like their I like their friendship yeah. a lot. It's very I don't know. They're the honors kids that are so smart they can't even bother to be around anyone else. I feel like they're the only ones that understand each other in their brains. Yeah. Like that's that's the vibe of their friendship for me. But man, can we talk about not only did Helion have a thing for Lady Autumn Court, but he might actually be a legitimate daddy, not just a daddy. Oh, yeah. As a Lucian, uh, but also, he doesn't have kids of his own. He only, uh, I mean, that he knows of. Surprise! <laughs> <laughs> there might be more. <laughs> I mean, just seeing how uh, loosey-goosey he is, um, you know, Lucian could have a couple siblings. Well, each, and it's <laughs> a couple funny. extra siblings. <laughs> no, but Rhysand didn't piece together the baby-son connection. He just knew about the affair. Because Rhysand was piecing together the genetic similarities yeah. at the same time Pharaoh was. He was just as blindsided, which is kind of fun. It was super funny, though, in their head, because they were like, the nose, the jawline, the eyes! Is this really happening? I was thrown off by it the first time I read it. I was like, what is she doing? <laughs> Daddy Helion. Oh, and she was clutch. She was so nosy. Like, you had to fair how long? Like, Farah, calm down. Put your nose back. Like, <laughs> everything about Farah in these 10 chapters is just full on cringe. Yeah. Again, I said annoying. Mm -hmm. just, it is very annoying. Mm -hmm. And it's very just out of character for her. Yeah. She just doesn't seem like a busybody. And so seeing her as one is like, oh my God, calm down. Like, not to that, not overtly like that. I mean, we all are to an extent, like her and Reese talking to each other about Lucian and Helion, 100% that tracks. Yeah. But for her to keep badgering Helion about the Lady of Autumn Court, and like, well, you didn't defend her, and why is she still with him? And like, 
uh, very personal. Everything yeah. that she avoided about people asking her about Tamlin when she ran away to the Night Court. Oh, yeah. And even about, like, recent stuff. Like, she, she loves to keep her little secrets and stuff. But yeah, she was very judgmental about it. And it's like, Farah, darling, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> you are the last person who should be judging anybody right now. I would love a, like, one of those, like, calm down, like, and it would be calm down, Farah, darling. <laughs> those, like, posters and mugs and shit. She thinks she's entitled to everyone's information all of a sudden. Being high which lady. Doesn't really make sense. No. She just thinks that she has this new power that she all of a sudden, it, everyone is going to be this open book. Right. It's like, no, that's why there are different courts and this is why they're all fighting you don't right get now. To, you don't get to be high lady and just for two days. Two days and people just give you stuff. Like, come on, man. <laughs> you don't even know these people. Like, yeah. like see, it's, it's like me, girls. She doesn't even go here. Well, and that gets <laughs> into the whole more helium thing. Yeah. She was like, didn't understand it, was judgmental about more, like, because she didn't understand how more could do that with the whole relationship with Azrael and stuff. And it's like, one, you have been part of their journey for all of a microsecond in the grand scheme of things. Right. Like, you don't really get an opinion on any of this, but also, they won't even talk to each other about their feelings and won't do anything, so, like, you're not allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. Like, you literally went from one High Lord to the other. No offense. Just saying. And then you're judging more for that. It's a little, it's a little yeah. petty. It's, a little, uh, yeah, it's immature, for sure. You could say it's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I think you would say it's annoying. <laughs> well, and like to the more thing, more was my favorite favorite character in book two. I just adored her. I loved her budding friendship with Feyre. More just falls so flat throughout this book for me. But I think there's a reason for it. I mean, it is a weird dynamic between Azrael and Moore. Like, but it's she's not, not wrong. Business. Right. She, it's not her business, but it is weird. But also, and it annoys the hell out of me. If Moore wants to get laid with a hot daddy from the day court, let Moore get laid. Like, you literally have sex at the most inconvenient times, and you're shaming Moore for having sex with, like, the hottest dude ever. Calm down. Calm down. <laughs> you need to calm down. I'm not saying that Moore isn't attracted to Helion, but it was a very divisive move. She made sure that she had sex with Helion because of how Azrael reacted in the meeting. Like, it was... Not gonna lie, I kind of like the whole, like, petty revenge sex of that all, because you'll notice that Moore is very angry at Feyre and Azrael after the whole meeting, because it's like, you guys, we had a plan, and neither one of you stuck to it. You let your emotions get in the way, and, like, you are not acting like the High Lady and the Spy Master. Like, you guys weren't acting your roles, and you, you put everything in jeopardy. Think of all the sacrifices that we've gone through to get to this point, to keep these secrets, and you just, like, acted like children. So then Feyre and Rhysand are having a moment before bed, and he's like, you did well, sweetie. (laughs) (laughs) Annoying. Did you? Did she really? She just, like, exposed all of her powers. She lashed out. And, you know, they they acknowledged, you know, Tamlin still being in love with Feyre and how that kind of... Feyre's processing, like, seeing it. I mean, it's different knowing it and then seeing it, and especially how ugly Tamlin was during the meeting, and, you know, Rhysand finally opening up a little bit more about all his trauma in front of everybody. They were both kind of raw by the end of it. Yeah. I mean, Feyre messed up, but um, it was... It was a hard, hard day for them. I have to give it to them. Yeah, it sounded not only stressful, but just very defeating. 
we come here with this one purpose. And like, they were so jacked up when they got there. They're like, we're going to come in. We're the good guys. Band with us and all this other stuff. And it did not go no. remotely close to how they planned, which like you should kind of foresee. At the end of the day, they only lost one high lord, even with all that chaos. Which doesn't even really matter that it's barren because Aerith yeah. With all of that that happened, they still came out relatively unscathed. I mean, tentative, but enough to come back the next day, which is huge. That is kind of a win. So we find out that Helian has been sleeping with the Lady of the Autumn Court, and we find out that he is most likely Lucian's dad, and he kind of gets a lot of criticism during their conversation about how, like, she's been beaten and he didn't save her, and, like, if you love her and you're doing all this stuff and you're having an affair with her, where were you when she's being destroyed by her husband and he flat out says like I did save her many a times but she has chosen to stay and I respect her wishes like I can't do anything about that I'm not gonna be another person to force her to do something that she doesn't want to do it's so devastating so sad it makes me so curious what her whole story is I will say the best part about this whole scene with Helian coming in and talking about the autumn lady and and more and the threesome and whatever is Nesta coming in and then <laughs> she's like, I need to talk to you, Feyre. And Hilly's like, you know, we should get better acquainted. She's like, I don't care. Like, I, I really don't care. <laughs> I have to talk to my sister. And she goes in to talk to Feyre because she feels like something's off. She feels like a sense of dread. Um, and Resand and Asriel go to check it out and they can't find anything, nothing, nothing sticking out, nothing's happening. And then the next day, um, Nesta starts like profusely vomiting and collapsing and Moore's kind of holding her up and they hear this huge, or they have, they feel this huge tremor, almost like an earthquake. They find out that the wall is gone. The wall's gone. Not gonna lie. Ivern made his move. When I read that scene, my heart dropped and I was like, oh no. Like, I was not expecting that at that moment. Yeah. And I think that that was so perfectly written. That was the one not annoying thing that happened in this whole section for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but that just goes to show how great Sarah J. Mass is at transitions. We don't want to hang out. Like, we need, we, we have to do more battle plan stuff, but we don't want to hang out and listen to that boring, annoying stuff. Like, no, let's get this battle going. We got a war to win. Like we, the wall is down. We are a time is of the essence. We are getting into it. I'm, I'm trying not to be excited about like a bunch of people potentially dying, even fictionally. But still, I'm just saying we are heading into the third chapter. Guns a blazing or swords a blazing. I don't know. Swords. Wings a blazing. Wings a blazing. Um, but you know what's also interesting in this in this section is that. Nesta had one job and it was to help figure out how to keep the wall intact and Nana that's there she's like what am I supposed to do now mm-hmm. and Feyre's just kind of like well we need you because you can sense the cauldron well I thought it was really sweet um cause Cassian has to go and he's like okay let's do the fastest fighting lesson ever pressure points hold your dagger this way I told you you should have gone to a lesson like, <laughs> hopefully this will keep you safe <laughs> when they finally get back to the townhouse in the night court, they're kind of just readjusting because now everything just has to move at a fast pace. And they finally tell Elaine, and Elaine is like, we have to save the humans as many as we can. And 
at first, everyone was kind of like, well, put them in your house. And she's like, well, that's not safe. Why would we not just ask my ex-fiance? Elaine comes up with this plan that she thinks that they should glamour her to make her look like a human and go back to the human realm so she can reconnect with her ex-fiance and see if they'll open up his fae-fighting huge house that won't really do much. But she she does actually agree that she will allow Cassian and Azrael to kind of put some words around it as long as they don't know that that's happening. Um, so that humans that are unprotected right now can go there for refuge, which I think is really sweet, but I'm so interested to see how that goes, especially because she has had such an emotional meltdown since she's become Faye, missing being a human. I already feel very sad for her. And she still wears the engagement ring. I know. Poor Elaine. Yeah. I feel like this is going to be really heartbreaking for her, and I just, like, talk about predictions, I foresee him finding out that she's Faye and her just being so emotionally destroyed. Well, I don't even think she was able to send... She just disappeared Yeah. Like, there's no closure. There was no... He probably... Like, she just... Her. She just missed her wedding. And they were actually in love. I know. Sweet baby. Sometimes I forget that, like, as we all stand her and Azrael and all these other people and stuff, that she was actually in love with somebody. And she was the one best fit for that human life, too. Guys, what if somehow she ends up with him in the end? The way that we've heard about his family. But what if all of his family dies and it's just him because the fake killed them all? I think he's already pretty brainwashed. Uh I also just want to believe he's brainwashed. Like, I'm like, come on, man. Like, Lucian and Az are right there. I feel like he could come around. I don't know. (laughs) My hopes. They come up with a plan. The pretty much the inner circle goes to try to figure out all of that stuff. And Feyre gets with Aaron and is like, we need help because we're not going to be able to take this on. We kind of have reconnected with the High Lords, but we need a stronger power. And so she decides, you know, we can't wait for me to figure out the whole Oberos situation with the bone carver. Let's go talk to Brayaxis in the library and see if it's... They, he, she, I don't really know what it is. Monster. Well, monster will <laughs> yeah. help out with the war and fight on their behalf. And so everyone's like, yeah, why not? So they go into the library. And this, oh, oh my God. This is like out of all the things, the most annoying about this section. Yeah. This is the dumbest thing. Mm-hmm. And it's the bargain with Briaxis. That just wants a window. And it's like, yeah, sure, whatever. I'll fight for you and I'm going to eat all of these people and this would be so fun. But I want a window. And Feyre starts to kind of interrupt it and be like, well, like, what does that mean? She can't figure it out. <laughs> and Aaron's like, girl, sh- don't know. So, yeah. And then they have Briaxis on their side. And mm-hmm. then she goes back to the townhouse with Freese and they are about to window to the human court to start the war and they have this really sweet moment where they just kind of look at the townhome one last time and Ferris makes a promise that they will see it again and then she windows and she's like I hope (laughs) (laughs) fingers crossed We're reading part three um, next next time, mm-hmm. so that will be the and that will be the end of uh, Corn Wings and Ruins. So we've got a big battle ahead of us. Are we ready for this? I'm so excited. I know Future Me, aka me, has already read this, and it's so exciting. <laughs> I, love, I I personally love the battle though because. 
at the end of the day, this book to me has been so boring. And like the the meeting, at least, as much as it was annoying, was finally some action. And so having this huge war, I was very into because it felt like it finally picked up pace. As long as Favor isn't having sex with Resan after every battle, I think I'll be okay. <laughs> like no promises. Mm-hmm. With this. Girl, a girl needs to check herself. That's all I'm saying. I'm, I, I'm curious to see how this is gonna shake out. Even with Bryaxis on deck, they feel really slim. Even with all the courts, because what is it? He has over 200,000 soldiers, something like that. Yeah. Well, Hybrid has the cauldron. And the cauldron, where they could just make more, I guess. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but. they're so grossly outnumbered. It's going to be really stressful to see how they... Like, even with Briaxes, it's... Give me a bloodbath. Yeah. 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 I mean, not I'm looking forward to it. I'm so excited. <laughs> Undoubtedly. But, you know... So we're going to be finishing the book in the next section. Yep. That's a lot of book we got to get through. So next time we're going to be reading chapters 51 through 81. Um, 81's a bonus chapter. I would We're going to definitely talk about it next time. So read it. And that's going to finish out A Quarter of Wings and Ruin. And then what will the next book be? The next book. So order it now so you have it by the time we've talked about it, read it, and done all of this will be A Court of Frost and Starlight, mm-hmm. which is a no Novella. It's the Christmas special, is how you described it. Yeah. No, I didn't know you called it that. Yeah. I call it the Christmas special. <laughs> I like that. It is. It's cute. I love it. And that one is my understanding. Um, every chapter is a different person's perspective. Unlike the books we've read so far, A Court of Thorn and Roses, Mist and Fury, and Wings and Ruin, which are predominantly Feyre's perspective, A Court of Frost and Silent will switch perspectives between the entire inner, inner circle. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a lot to talk about next time. We've got a big battle ahead of us, and then the aftermath of that battle, I hope it ends. <laughs> like, gosh, can you imagine if it's just like, it, like it's like mid-battle, and that's where like, well, we'll see you next time at the Christmas special. <laughs> a funny idea. What if Sarah Kate Mouse just murders everyone? It's like, okay, good series, guys. Moving on to the next one. Peace. Peace. Bye. <laughs> That'd be so mean. And the next step is the TV show. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully not. Sorry. I'd rather see Throne of Glass. Anyway, so we will see you on the next podcast. Next episode. Next episode. episode. Oh, I said next podcast. Anyway, we'll see you on the next episode. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye. 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 bye.